Thank you for joining us here at Dominion Life Church for another inspired teaching from God's Holy Scriptures. We expect that this teaching will encourage, challenge, and strengthen you in your life. Now, may the eyes of your understanding be enlightened to know what the hope of His calling is for you. Without further delay, enjoy the teaching. We're talking about the power of the name of Jesus, and that's why actually I got into that, about the name of Jesus. We're talking about power talking about power. And I think what I want to, what I want to talk about today is power. Power. Um, the power that God has given to us. The power that he's bestowed upon the church. And there's two, there's two words, uh, there's two definitions of the word power that we see in scripture. Uh, one is exousia. And the other is dunamis, like dynamite, Right. And the first one, exousia, uh, has to do with uh, authority. Basically, it's, it's probably best translated authority. But oftentimes you see it in scripture uh, just translated to be power, the word power. Um, and so what I like to do for my own heart is I like to, to or just for my own understanding, is I like to get these scriptures and I like to lay them out. And I'll put in, uh, and I'll, I'll like type them in in parentheses, and I'll put authority, or I'll put uh, the, the 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 power of choice. Essentially, is was what I believe the Thayers defines it: the power of choice, exousia, the power of choice, the power and the ability to make a choice, exousia. And then when you when you when you understand that definition, and you plug it into the places where Jesus says this, you go, oh snap. That means something. Huh. And so it's really important to understand that the Lord Jesus has given us power. Jesus himself came in power. Right. Jesus himself came in power. Right. The spirit of God came upon him. The spirit of power. What is it? What is what is prophesied about Jesus um, uh, by Isaiah? Right. It says that he will the, the, the spirit of might. Right. The spirit of power, spirit of counsel and wisdom, spirit of the fear of the Lord, spirit of knowledge and understanding. So so he has the spirit of power upon him. Right. And one of the things that the Pharisees and others around him would often remark is they like, man, he he speaks as one that has authority. And it's probably more the, 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 the common people probably looking at the Pharisees and going like, what is your deal? Like he's talking with he's talking like he knows what he's talking about. He's talking like he's he's sure of what he's saying. He's talking like he's got confidence in the things that he's saying. You know, the, the, the word confidence, you know, in the Latin con, confide, you know what that means? With faith. That's where we get the word confidence from. It means with faith. He's speaking with faith, with confidence, with assurance. And I think, I think we need to get to that. We need to get back to that place. There's a lot of pulpits that are just, well, you know, and this is kind of what I think, and this is kind of how I feel about it. And you may have an interpretation and you know, man, you need to speak with boldness and confidence. If you're not sure, then get up off the pulpit. I mean, if you can't say with certainty and with assurity that this is what it is, because this is what the, what, what the Bible says, this is what Jesus is saying, then man, don't say anything. 
Because if you don't speak with authority, not with pushiness, not just with a raised voice. I mean, I'm excited, so forgive my passion. <laughs> but it's not, it's not just ha, in a hot and jam screaming that means you got that you know what you're saying or that you have any authority. The level of your tone does not necessarily contribute, necessarily contribute to authority. It's the fact that you believe what you say to the degree that your life is ordered by the things that you believe. Because I could tell you all day, do this, do that, do this. But if I'm not doing it in my life, I have no authority. There's, it's not coming across with any authority that brings any kind of change or revelation to your heart. You get that? Yes. And that's, that's why Jesus could speak with authority. He says it's with authority that he casts out demons. Like you get on the, on the scene, like I was having a conversation a little bit ago, not a little bit, but it was a couple of days ago. And um, I actually came in like on the tail end. It was a Zoom uh, Bible study. And, and I'm not really sure exactly everything that, we were, that was being talked about. But I think we were talking about like principalities, powers of darkness and all that stuff. And, and basically what it really came down to, a brother, he was just like, man, we make a big deal about the devil. Like he's a withering branch. He's cut off. You know, the reason why in, 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 in the garden, he's a serpent and in Revelation, he's a dragon. You know what caused him to be that? Our impression of him. Because when we stand, bef- when, when we stand with the Lord and we look, it's, what does it say? We're going to look on him and say, is this the dude that caused the nations to tremble? We're not looking at a dragon going, oh, we're gonna, is this the dude? And he was just like, man, we make a big deal out of the devil. And we shouldn't. We, we should make a big deal about the cross. We should make a big deal about the authority and the power that the Lord Jesus has given to us. Amen. That's what we should make a big deal about. And we should speak with authority. We should declare with authority. The power of choice. Privilege, actually, is another definition. So I got Christ privilege. I was born with Christ privilege because I was born again in Christ. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Amen. So I make a big deal about Jesus Christ, the name above all names. So Matthew chapter nine, verse eight says this. It says, now when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God who had given such power of choice and privilege to men. Hey, now you're excused. Now, when the multitude saw it, so they saw something, there was something they experienced. And obviously it was the power of God. Amen. It was people being set free and healed. People being delivered. And when they saw this, they remarked and said, they marveled and said, man, God has given exousia to men. God has given men the ability to choose the power of choice and not just to choose like, am I going to have bacon or, you know, sausage? No, he's talking about a supernatural ability, a sense of ability and a privilege to declare a thing. 
to command a thing. And remember, the context was after he had just healed a bunch of people and he had just set a bunch of people free. So they're looking on the scene and going, this is, this is crazy. This is, this is amazing. Demons are, are, are being cast out. The sick are being healed and people's lives are being transformed. Wow, God has given such authority to men. To men and women. Matthew 10, 1 says this. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power of choice over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Check that out. Did you hear that? So he called his 12 together and he gave to them authority, the power of choice, privilege over unclean spirits. That's what you have. Authority. Power of choice. That's why I love the, 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 um, this, this story. Uh, and I always get confused. I don't know if it's Smith or if it's um, John G. Lake. I think it's John G. Lake. Yeah, I believe it's John G. Lake. Ah, I can't remember. If, if, you, if you remember and you know who it is, shout it out and so I can correct the record. But it says he's sitting down, he's reading a book in his, in his bed, in his bedroom, reading a book. And then he sees the, uh, the, the, the blinds, right? And then his bed moves across. Who is it? Lester? It's Lester. Lester Sumrall. And his, his, his bed moves across the floor. So we're all thinking supernatural, demonic, ah, right? That's what he wants you to do. He wants you to be impressed. He wants you to be impressed by this. Who was impressed? Anybody? Was anybody impressed by that? So when he does it, why is it so impressive? Think about it. He exists. They're real. So when they do this, why are we so impressed by that? Maybe because we do not know we have the, the, the authority. We have the privilege over them. We have the power of choice. That's not impressive. I'm not impressed when I see somebody move something from one place to another. And neither was Lester. He wasn't impressed because he knew what he had. He knew who he was. So he's reading his book. His bed moves across the floor. And he's like, this, this, this dude again. He's like, devil, get out of here. And the, the blinds move or the, the curtains move. And then he looks around and goes, wait a minute. My bed is in the middle. Devil, get back in here. <laughs> the curtains move. He says, my bed was against the wall when you came in here, and it will be against the wall when you leave. This bed goes up against the wall, and he leaves. <laughs> That's the man that knows his authority right. in the Lord Jesus. Power of choice. The privilege to command a thing and it will be so. Because listen, the demons know that they are subject to the name of Jesus. The demons know that they are subject to his authority. They know that. And they're hoping you don't. 
And even when you come up against something and you're like, you need to leave, you need to leave. And there seems to be opposition for all, you know, they could be like this holding on. And, uh, uh, you know, they're, I mean, like they're struggling to try to stay and you're, you're hitting it and you're hitting it and you're going after it. Should I switch? No. Okay. Um, and you're going after it and you're speaking and it's like, uh, uh, and it's trying, it's hoping that you give up. It's hoping that you give up. Oh, and it's hoping you give up and you go, this ain't working. And he's like, whoo, that was close. He almost kicked us out. She almost kicked us out. That hurt. They're just hoping you don't know. See, it's all mind games. They're just hoping that you don't know that you have the privilege to command them. And they are bound to listen. Because of who's in you. Because of who you are in him. Talking about power. Exousia and dunamis. The two areas of power uh, described in the word of God. And, And this is why this is so important. Um, because I believe that there have been Romans says it this way. And I'll finish that, that, that earlier statement. Romans says this, Paul says this in Romans. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power. Everybody say power. It is the power of God for salvation for those that believe it. Amen. So the gospel is the power of God. Right? So the gospel should always be communicated with what? Power. I'm not trying to trick you, I promise. (laughs) It should be communicated with power. Power. Maybe should I switch to this? Check. One, two. I'll, I'll just use this. One, two. There we go. Praise the Lord. That better? All right. Praise God. It should be communicated with power. Right? I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God. So the gospel is the power of God. And unfortunately, I think there's a lot of people that hear the gospel and there's no power. There's no power. But the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So a powerless gospel, I would... I would believe is not the true gospel. If it's, if it's just a, a, a what, what can God do for me or for how he can bless me or how he can make my life better gospel, then it's not the true gospel because the gospel should be preached with power. It should be, it should be displayed with power. And even Paul says this. He says, but I didn't come to you with persuasive words and man's wisdom, but I came to you with the spirit and power. I came to you with the spirit and power. So we're called to embrace a powerful gospel. So it's important to understand where our power lies and and the power and the authority that he's been, he has given to us. Amen. Amen. Somebody say, I got power. power. Praise the Lord. Mark 3, 14 through 15 says this, then he appointed 12 that they might be with him. I love that scripture, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power of choice, to heal sickness and to cast out demons. 
That's interesting. He gives them the authority, which is the power of choice, the privilege, or the sense of ability, the authority to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. When you have been given authority to do something, you don't necessarily have to ask for permission. You understand? If you have the authority to do something, that's pre-permission. You've already been granted the ability and to, to choose to do what needs to be done. You have the authority to act. So a lot of people, you know, I, I hear some people in some circles, they'll say, you know, I'm just waiting on the Lord to tell me to go pray for that person. Well, you might be waiting a very long time and not that God cannot tell you to, to pray for someone. That's cool. Like, that's awesome. And when he tells you, you better do it. But in the same way, he's told us all to go and preach the gospel to all creation. So are you waiting for him to tell you to do that? Well, the truth is he's already told you. And the truth is he's actually already told you in Mark 16. Right? Because this is what a believer does. A believer will. It's not a question. A believer will. So you don't necessarily have to ask permission for something you've already been given authority to do. But the issue is, we feel like we need, to, we need God to specifically tell us because if, I, if he specifically tells me, then it'll happen. So that's, that is, you're limiting your authority. You've just limited yourself to only a specific leading by God. When God has given, see, the idea of authority is you have the will to act. Right? God's not looking for servants. He's looking for sons. He's looking for sons. Those that would be willing to know his heart and act. Know his will and act. Is it the will of God for people to be healed? Is it? Is it the will of God for people to be saved? Does God need to tell you to go heal and, and save Why? Because you've, given, you've, you've been given the authority to do so. Jesus says it in another way. He says, in the same way the Father has sent me, now I send you. Right? So he's already very clearly stated that this is what he wants you to do. This is what he's called you to do. I've equipped you. I've given you authority to do so. And we're going to see a little bit later, he's given you power. But it says here that just on authority alone, in, in Mark 3, Verses 14 through 15, on authority alone, you have the ability to heal. You possess the ability to heal sickness and to cast out demons. Mark 6, 7 says it this way. It says, and he called the 12 to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over unclean spirits. I think we've just read three scriptures that talk about us having authority over unclean spirits or demonic spirits or even authority over sickness and disease. Again, the battle is, is us convincing ourselves. If I'm still waiting, if I'm still asking God, do you want me to? God, do you want me to? He's like, I've already told you to. I've already equipped you to do so. And so like we're on a hamster wheel wondering whether or not, 
you know, do I have the, do I have the okay? Do I have the okay? Do I have the okay? And he's like, I okayed you when you were born of my spirit. When you were born again, you were okayed. When you were baptized with the Holy Spirit, you were okayed. You were launched into this. Amen? Amen. Luke 4, 432. 4, it says, and they were astonished at his doctrine. They were astonished at Jesus' doctrine. It says, for his word was with authority. His word was with authority. The power of choice. Luke 9, verse 1 says it this way. It says, and then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority or power and authority. So here it actually does list out the, 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 the word for exousia as authority. It says, I give them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases. So is this, I mean, is it clear enough? You understand that he's given to us authority? And I want to actually show you something that's very interesting. Um, because over and over, so, so many times in the Gospels, Jesus tells the disciples, I give you authority. I give you authority. I give you authority. I give you authority. But you understand, something really interesting happens that after the cross, after the resurrection, you, you really don't see him using that, that language where he says, I give you authority. It's really interesting. And I think the reason why is because we're in him. Where before it was like the disciples were autonomous beings and Jesus was here. So he says, I give to you so that now you can go do. I give to you so now you can go do. And now he's in us. You, you see the difference? All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Right. And so now the mystery that has now been that has been uh, has been it's a mystery and now has now been revealed, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So now Christ is in you by way of Holy Spirit. So it's not a matter of I give you authority. It's a matter of the one who has all authority is now here. You see the difference? Yeah, that I can. Did I lose anybody? Okay, because I want you to see that difference because it's really interesting to me. I mean, there's, there's so many scriptures in the gospels that talk about him giving us authority, him giving us authority, but there's very, very, it's, it, I mean, it's, there's very few in, 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 the, um, in, in the epistles, but it does still talk about it. Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 10. He says, therefore, I write these things being absent, lest being present, I should use sharpness according to the power which the Lord given, hath given me to edification. According to the power, that word power there is authority. I mean, there's, there's only like a few scriptures that talk about God giving us authority in the, in the epistles. And that's one of them. And I thought like, why are there so few? You think of at a time where Paul could have really like, brought home that, that fact and just really instilled it like he does everything else. But again, he says, listen, he says, according to the power which was get, had, the Lord had given to me to edification and not to destruction, according to that power, the word power there is exousia. And what I really appreciate about Paul, and actually Paul says this uh, another time, um, 
in, in the same way, he says, I've been given authority for edification, not for destruction. He says it again in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, for though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord hath given us for edification and not for your destruction. Authority for edification. So he's specifically talking about ministering and administering in the body of Christ. He says, the authority that I have isn't not to rule over you, to Lord over you, right? Because Jesus says it will not be among you as it is among the Gentiles when they Lord over one another. I'm better than you. I have a title. My title is assistant pastor. So you must listen to me. <laughs> pastor. No. He says the authority that I have is for your edification, not for your destruction. Right. Not that I would Lord over you. I mean, the church has gone through really awkward seasons where, you know, pastors had to tell you what kind of car you could drive or who you could marry and what kind of house you could buy. It's called the shepherding movement. And you know what? And the unfortunate thing is that people got so wounded that they just went to the other extreme. Instead of going back to the word and saying, OK, what does the word of God say? And I'm going to stay there. I'm going to live there. I'm not going to let myself be wounded by someone's failure to understand. And I'm not going to allow myself to go to the other extreme to where now I'm wounding myself because I was wounded. Why don't I just settle where Jesus is, where truth is and just, and then walk in life. Amen. So any authority that any person in an office has, it's for your edification, not for your destruction. So, amen, let's move on to, to dunamis, dunamis, power. Somebody say, I have authority. Somebody say, I have power. I have strength. I have ability. That is the definition of dunamis. It's strength, power, and ability. It's force. It's even, it can even be translated as miraculous power. And again, I encourage you when you come across these scriptures, I would encourage you to go through however you, you do, however you can, if you have a, a software, a Bible software, to, to write out these scriptures, write out the ones that are specifically exousia. And the way you can do that is if you have a strong concordance and you look up that word, it'll usually give you uh, a bunch of different words or excuse me, scriptures where that word is found in the New Testament. And I encourage you to write some of them out and then replace the, the, the word authority or power of choice so that you have a better understanding of, of what, what, what it is. Cause when you just say power, you just might not really understand or you might really not, might really grasp, but he's talking about, I have authority over these things. He's given me the ability to, to command a thing and to, 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 to say a thing and it, and it be so, and then do the same thing with dunamis power. Mark 9, verse 1, it says, Surely I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with dunamis, power, strength, miraculous power. And the whole multitude sought to touch him for power and ability, strength went out from him and healed them all. 
And they were all amazed. Luke 4, 36, it says, and they were all amazed and spoke among themselves saying, what a word this is. For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. With authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. With authority and strength and ability, he gets the job done. Luke 15, 17, it says, now it happened on a certain day. He was teaching that there, there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the miraculous power of the Lord was present to heal them. You know, it's interesting. And none of them got healed. Only another person did. It was available. It was available. The power of the Lord was there. The miraculous dunamis power was there to heal. Very similar to the, 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 um, uh, when, when Jesus goes back to his hometown, right? He goes back to his hometown and he's, he's, uh, you know, he goes in there preaching and it says they were offended at him. And that's where he says, you know, a, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown, right? In his own, in his own city. Here he is, Jesus, with power and authority to deliver and set free. And they were contrary towards him. They were offended at him. It was available. And it says he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick folk and made them well. And a lot of people would teach, well, it's because unbelief stopped the power of God. Are you kidding me? Unbelief stopping the power of God? You mean, that, you mean that Jesus was saying, be healed? And the person was like, I don't believe it. And then they just stayed lame? You could, like, really? You mean to tell me Jesus was sitting there going, be healed, be healed, be healed, and, there, and nothing was happening because of their unbelief? How much unbelief, or excuse me, how much belief did Lazarus have? How much belief did the, the, the widow with her son who's walking him out and she's dead, how much belief did she have? Or did he have? He just rolled up on the scene, all incognito-like. It was like, boop, and the kid gets up. Like he didn't preach a sermon, try to stir faith in the mom. So there's no way that unbelief can stop the power of God. But what unbelief can do is, is stop you from going to the one that has the answer, which is what they did. They didn't come to him. They're like, oh, it's Jesus. Yeah, remember old big head Jesus that used to run around when we were kids? Yeah, that's, that's just Jesus. Yeah, he, he think he Messiah. He just tripping. They were offended at him. So they did not come to him that they might be healed. And you see this, even Jesus declaring woe over the cities. Woe to you. Woe to you. And in some of them, he did some miraculous, amazing. The power of God was present and manifesting. And it's still, they did not believe. Still, they did not turn. And you know, it's, it's really cool. See, God is amazing because Jesus says one, one time, um, it's at, when he's with the woman at the well, and he tells the disciples, my food is to do the will of him that sent me. Right? They're like, master, eat, you know. And he's like, my food is to do the will of him that sent me. And about 
six years ago, seven years ago, I actually started to just go out and just do his will. Just, I'm just going to do your will because I love you, Lord. Because I love you, I will obey your commands. And it's a joy to. And it wasn't like I wasn't afraid. I, had, I was super nervous and, and I was quite scared because I, this is, this is a, an arena in my life that I had never stepped out in. But it's amazing how many times I saw when I actually got out and did the word, how much it, it came alive to my spirit. And passages and things that I saw Jesus talk about, it would happen. And I'm like, whoa, that is exactly what my food, my nourishment is when I go out and I do it and I see it come alive and I'm nourished and edified. By the, by the things that I do. My food is to do his will. I remember on one occasion, I probably have shared this a couple times. One occasion I was with a buddy of mine, we're in the mall and we're walking around and we see this lady, she's, she's kind of limping, limping and we come to her and ask her if we can pray for her. And, oh no, no, no. We just start talking to her. Um, and just kind of like small talk. And she, you know, she's all talkative and she's happy and she's, we're having a good, good conversation. And she's telling us how much she loves to walk, but she had surgery and the doctor said she shouldn't be walking, but how oh, I just love to walk and I love to walk. And we're like, and I said, you know, can I, can I, I said, you know, I would really love to pray for you in Jesus name. And she turned around and walked away so fast. Like end of conversation. And I was like, we, we both looked at each other like, what just happened? Like she booked out of there. And, and it wasn't like we tried to stop. We're like, ma'am, ma'am, uh, ma'am. You know, and she just would not listen. And in the moment we mentioned the name of Jesus, she was like, I'm done. I'm out. And I imagine if that's what Jesus experienced in his hometown. They're like, ma'am. So she didn't receive what Jesus, the power of God, was present to heal her. And because of her offense at Jesus, she walks away. And she doesn't receive what Jesus has for her to, that day. But we still prayed because we love people. And we know, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Amen? Luke 24, 49 says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, Jesus is speaking, and he says for them to tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with dunamis, miraculous, miracle-working power. Miracle-working power. Not any lesser form. He's not, he's not saying, okay, you guys are humans, so I'm going to give you a lesser form of power. I'm going to give you, you know, just above human power, you know, but I save all the good stuff you know, for, for me and Jesus. No, there's, there's just one type of power when, when we're talking about God. It's the God kind of power. It's that dunamis, miraculous, world-creating, all-encompassing power. That's the same power he gives to us because the power that we walk in is the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of God. And I can show this to you. <clears throat> Let me see if I can find this scripture. 
another thing, another side note, you know how I mentioned that you won't find quite as many scriptures about uh, uh, um, exousia um, in terms of like God giving you, you know, God has given me exousia in Paul's letters or any of the the other epistles uh, outside of uh, Jesus's teachings. Um, You only find like three or four, Um, but you'll find tons and tons of scriptures that talk about how we've received power, how he's given us power, right? And the, the, the particular scripture um, that I'm, I'm thinking of is Ephesians 6.10, 6, where Paul says this, finally, finally, at the conclusion of, of what I'm trying to, to get past to you, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's not a lesser thing. That's not like, you know, let me strap on, you know, training wheels. No, he, he says, I've given you all things. That you, you have the fullness of all things inside of you because in him is fullness. It says to know the love of Christ is to be filled with all the fullness of God. Man, right. He's not held anything back from you. Paul says this in in Romans chapter eight. He says, would he, if if he freely gave Jesus, would he not with him freely give all things? If he didn't withhold Jesus from him, would he with not him freely give us all things? And the answer is, yeah, he did. And he has. So this isn't a lesser thing. This isn't a lesser power. It's you are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And the question is, do you believe that? Just like, do you believe that you have the authority? The same authority that Jesus, Jesus exhibited when he was here on the earth. The same authority. Amen? Because it's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. God bless you. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Amen? Amen. So it's the same authority because it is him. It's the same power because it is the same spirit. Amen? Amen? So we have nothing less than what he had when he walked the earth. And actually, Scripturally speaking, we have everything he has now that where he is seated at the right hand of power. Because as he is, (laughs) I mean, how gracious is God that he would take these sinners, these rebels, and restore us to his image and glory. That he would bring us back to the value of the purpose in which he created us and give us so much. And, and, and the, like everything else, the only reason why we have not yet seen it is because there's something here and I would even say there's something here in our walk that is prohibiting us from walking it out. I love the story that um, Brother Curry tells, um, the uh, Sudafed anointing. Are you guys familiar with that story? Yes, sir. 
Anybody not heard that? All right, just for the few. So the Sudafed anointing. Um, <laughs> Brother Curry was, was teaching a Bible study. And, uh, you know, first night went great, but he, he noticed his voice was starting to get hoarse or whatever. And it was, it was a struggle for him to get through. So some guy comes to him and goes, hey, man, have you ever uh, heard about taking Sudafed? If you take Sudafed, you know, it'll, it'll help clear things up, loosen things up in your throat, and you'll be fine. So he goes... So the guy gave him some. He's like, okay, well, I'll try it. So he pops in a Sudafed before he goes to speak in the Bible study. And he goes, and he's, he's teaching the Bible study, and he's going on. And all of a sudden, he starts feeling his hands tingle. And he starts feeling his feet tingle. And he's like, oh, my God, the Holy Spirit is here. Everybody, get up. Get up. The Holy Spirit is here. Line up on the wall. So he starts going through, and, and Shaba and Gata, and people are falling out and getting healed and getting blessed and just... People get baptized with the Holy Spirit. I mean, it was a Holy Ghost revival, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So then the next day or the next time, next meeting, he comes through and same thing. You know, he pops one and he's preaching. He's feeling good. And then, you know, toward the end there, he starts feeling a tingle. Oh, Holy Spirit is here. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling him. I feel the tingles. Everybody get up and bam, Holy Ghost revival. Things are happening. God is moving. People are getting healed. So much so that now the pastor's like, you know, I don't know what's going on with that Bible study, but, you know, we got, you know, 10 healed and this, that, and the other. And so testimonies are starting to circulate. Good things are happening. Well, then, so the, the friend comes up to him and goes, hey, man, I'm hearing good things are going on with, you know, with the meeting. And he goes, yeah, yeah. I mean, man, amen. I think good things are happening. He goes, so, um, so how's, how's, the, uh, how's it been taking the Sudafed? And he goes, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's been okay. He says, you haven't had any side effects? And he's like, well, do tell. And he goes, well, yeah, for some people, it causes their hands to tingle and their, their body to tingle. And he's like, huh. Okay, so he said he stopped taking it, didn't tell anybody. <laughs> so he went to the Lord and said, God, what's, what's up? <laughs> because clearly I was having a physical re reaction to the Sudafed, right? Clearly I was having a physical reaction to the Sudafed, but yet people were still getting healed. Things were still happening. He's like, Lord, you got to help me out with this. He goes, well, that happened because you believed I was there and you could do it. It happened because you believed I was there and you could do it. You believed you were anointed because you felt something and you acted like you were anointed. You acted like you had authority. You acted like you had power. And so he said, wow, from that moment forward, he, he, he always just acted like he had the authority and he had the power. So a lot of it has to do with what we believe and what we're willing to do. If you're willing to believe that he's given you miraculous power, believe that he's given you the authority. So much to the, to the degree that you walk like it, then you will see that manifest in your life. So many people are like, oh, I don't know. What if it doesn't happen? I don't know. And you're doing the cha-cha because you're, you know, you're, you're, you haven't decided. You haven't believed. We talked about confidence. You haven't believed to the degree that you're saying, you know what? I'm stepping out. 
And anybody who has any, had any type of ministry to the sick or any, they all had to get, go at it the same way. They had to step out. They had to believe the word of God, believe what Jesus said about that they have been given power, that they have been given authority, that they're in Christ and that they can do all things through Christ, that he's given to them all things pertaining to life and then begin to step out in that, begin to walk out in that. And with confidence and assurance, act like they're anointed. And it's no longer an act because you believe it. So you live what you are. God bless you. (laughs) But there's power. God has given to us power and given to us authority. And Jesus paid an incredibly high price to give us these things. His body, his blood, his body beaten and his blood poured out so that we could be free, so that we could freely possess everything that Jesus came to give us. Everything that the Father came to give us. And we're co-equal heirs with him.